This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening or watching right now to get each and every episode as soon as it's available. And Logan, you know, talking about the choices that that coaches have, like the enemy of whether they come here, whether they go to Baltimore. You know, in the ownership situation lingering over all of that, it seems like some ownership groups have certainly started to make potential moves for the future, even though they don't have the team yet. Sean Payton was on Adam Shine's show on Mad Dog Radio on Sirius XM and had some really interesting comments about being uh, approached by potential ownership groups. Was there ever a thought about going back to New Orleans? That was out there. Yeah. Um, and and look, it, it's a it's it's a trickier one because it, look, it involves someone that that I've hired, Dennis Allen, and and we've worked together on two different stints. Um, but I think in the end, uh, for me, it was looking it was looking really closely at, at, at these teams, and then there was a, you know, there everyone's waiting to see what happens in Washington, and there there was some interest from some potential ownership groups that are going to be bidding on that currently a bid on that team. That we're getting ahead of the game, saying, wow. "Hey, you know, if we get awarded this team, would you?" And and so there were a lot of different things at play. That's interesting, right? and and that's a place that's had great tradition. Like when I came into the league, Adam, my first two years were Philly, of course. Yeah. My next four years were New York. So Giants. you know all about that. And then my next three were the Cowboys. That my whole entire NFL career prior to New Orleans was NFC, NFC East. And what happened to that program? Was that one that made you think a little bit? Listen, that place, my uncle loved the Washington franchise. Last year, we go there to play. And I'm pregame, I'm looking up in the crowd. A third of the fans are Saints fans. And I'm like, what happened to this place? Yeah, that was one of the six. That was one of the six pillars. They used to fight for tickets in divorces. I mean, there was a 50-year wait list (sighs) to get tickets. It's sad. That was a special place. It was. So it'll come back. I hope so. Uh, He wasn't pressed and didn't specify certainly, and I don't think he would have which groups uh, were were interested in him. But we had heard, you know, Rex Ryan went on ESPN and said like, "Oh, well, watch for Sean Payton in Washington." And then you learn, like, I think Rex Ryan was interviewing uh, with Sean Payton potentially for a D.C. job in Denver. Like, there's mm-hmm. a, there's certainly a relationship there, and you don't have to, you know, be a Sherlock Holmes to figure out how perhaps or why perhaps Rex was saying those things on ESPN a couple months ago. And then because Sean now says it himself out loud, what do you make of that and, and the potential for new ownership to to come in and make changes perhaps more immediately than we thought if if the timeline is by the end of March? And how that could affect, you know, say the OC search. Right. <clears throat> well, I think that um, 
Sean Payton is a unique, unique candidate in this in this environment, right? Obviously, he's one of he's the hottest coaching candidate, quite frankly, right? You know, you don't give up first round draft capital for coaches traditionally and give them big contracts, but he, his pedigree, his proximity to being head coach, what he did in new Orleans, I think that all speaks for itself. So if you're a ownership group coming in and you say there's an opportunity to hire Sean Payton, which there was, um, I'm going to explore that. I'm going to kind of kick the tires on that, see if he has a reciprocal interest and see if we can um, get something done. And I think that, you know, he is a unique case, right? It's not like every coaching candidate affords you this opportunity to kind of say, we don't really need to interview him. We don't really know what he's bringing. Um, you know what Sean Payton is. You know what he can do. You know what he's done. And you know how he, he's handled that responsibility. Like his resume is outstanding from a coaching standpoint. You look what he did in 2000, I think it was 21, when his last year coaching in New Orleans and what he did with Jamison Winston, what he did with that whole offense. And like the drop off in New Orleans just because he left. And I'm not saying it's entirely because of him, but I think it's a big factor. So um, I would say that I'm glad that the ownership is thinking about that. I'm glad that they're looking at the most kind of the, the, the safest um, head coaching hire um, and, and trying to explore that, trying to get him here. I think that's the right thing. I don't think they're doing that with multiple candidates at the moment. I mean, there might be another guy. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that would even fit that kind of bill um, at the moment. You know, he's just such an obvious guy. So that doesn't surprise me. At all. I think the thing that surprised me about the, you know, the clip we just listened to was that um, he seemed to have significant interest in coming here. And I think it's interesting that, you know, when you talk to Ron, like Ron's Ron, people come here because they're a fan of the team and you can hear the kind of the reverence Sean Payton is using to talk about the, the Washington football team, the commanders. And I think that that's really cool. And I think that, it kind of makes it it makes me think that this job is more appealing to that kind of older coaching tree than than um, I initially thought, you know, just hearing kind of him talk about it, hearing and kind of, you know, comparing that with how Ron talks about the organization at the team. And and, it, and for me, who's a, a younger kind of bring into the organization, the organizational culture, like you forget that this place was the place for a very long time. Like this was this was the team. This was like America's team, quote unquote. And um, I think there's there is a there's a soft spot for a lot of those older coaches. Yeah, I mean, all that stuff was super real in the the late '80s, early '90s, and obviously before that as well. But especially, you know, Gibbs 1.0 and and the three Super Bowls. RFK was as good as it got. You know, it was a dump, but it was our dump kind of thing. And you know, that's before my time as well. Certainly, my time in DC. But you know, the reverence that older fans and and older NFL people have for this place, and it's just been rude. Like the yeah. ownership here has ruined it. And yeah. and there's a lot of contributing factors and decisions and other people that have, have been accomplices to that uh, all under Dan's uh, ownership. But with him selling, like there's major appeal. And like, you know, someone like Josh Harris, let's say, who, according to multiple reports, first one by The Athletic, toured the facility last week. Mm. Like he is a probably mid fifties, early sixties. I can look up how, how old Josh Harris is, but you know, guy who grew up in Chevy chase, mm. like he's, he's of that generation who knows what it was like and grew up here. He was born in, in 1965. So he's uh late fifties. Like he, he knows, he knows what it can be. Like it, there's a reason this has been called a sleeping giant. And, and mm. I think that, the idea of being, you know, for someone like Sean Payton, especially, 
the idea of being the guy who saves it, the guy who brings it back right. to that level, who fills FedEx and, you know, whatever stadium is next, is super appealing. Um, I will ask you this, though. If, if you're Ron, how ticked are you at Sean Payton Day? Like, dude, shut up. Like, why are you why are you sharing that in a radio interview about my job? I mean, I don't I don't know if I'm pissed. Like, again, like this is just maybe because you're like a, I'm like a calloused NFL dude. Like, I'm operating under the assumption, like if I'm Ron, that they're looking at candidates, specific candidates, not every single candidate. They're not interviewing, you know, a hundred people, but there's you know, it's it's like this is this is this was my thing. Like when I was playing here, yeah, if like Greg Olson is available for trade and he's going to come here, like I'm going to get cut. And like like that's just how the NFL and sure. But isn't works. it different when it's players versus coaches? Like I know it's still human beings, and you're still like, hey man, that's my job. But if you're a coach under contract, like I do feel like the culture is a little different around player movement versus coach movement. So in this situation, I don't think so. I don't think because he's taken another job, right? He's taken, you know what I mean? If he's still like, if he's still actively deciding where he's going to go and he brings that out, then I'm like, oh, like this is a little bit gnarly because then the fan base gets involved. Then, you know, there's certain people that become decision makers that can get swayed by kind of populist opinion. And so, but the fact that he's made his decision that he's in Denver, that he's not coming here, I think is, um, I, I'm okay with that. Quite frankly, if I'm Ron, I'm like, you know, I, I kind of, I would assume that they would have interviewed him. I, it's cool to hear that they actually did, but I was kind of like, it'd be nice if they could get an interview or kind of entice Sean Payton because he's the number one coaching candidate. But if I'm Ron, I gotta, I have to like, on some level, be aware that that's a possibility. You know, See, like, I, I don't know that, may, I think we can do that. I, you know Ron better than I do, but. I don't think Ron Rivera sees himself as second to anybody. Like mm -hmm. I don't think. I mean, he certainly respects Bill Belichick, Sean Payton. Like it's it's not like he's like, oh, I'm so much better than those guys. But I think Ron sees himself. He's like, I'm a bona fide NFL head coach. And I, what do you mean you're looking for other people? Like I, this is my team. Uh, and and we are, you know, in his mind, we're on the right track. And you know, all the things that he says. So I, I don't know. I maybe. But I, I, I would think that Ron is probably not psyched with Sean Payton coming out. One, I would say Sean Payton coming out and saying it. But two, like, I would be a little unsettled, um, you know, in that ownership groups. And, and I maybe maybe because it's Sean Payton, I go, hey, I, I get it. They're sniffing around. Um, you know, I would assume they would talk to me first. They can't right now because I work here. You know, Sean Payton was working for Fox. Like, you can talk yourself out of it pretty easy. But the fact that ownership groups are sniffing around and like, I'm trying to build a team and you know, we know how much Ron hates distractions. Uh, I, I, I would think that Ron Rivera was, was not super pleased that that stuff came out and that, that it came out because Sean Payton just gave it up in an interview. Not even, not even asked about it. Well, I will say that like he, like Ron, like, I don't know this for sure. I haven't talked to Ron about this, but you have to know, you have to know what's going on here like just like i'm a player i was a former player like we're media people like you look at the team you look at the trajectory of the team over the last couple of years and you say they're kind of in the same spot as when he first got here as as painful as that is as much as i like ron like he has to know that there are people that are kind of stomping the table you know leadership fans whoever it is that say like we need to make some type of change here and uh, you know right or wrong you know people talk about the coaching cycle and how it's three years all this kind of stuff but he knows all those guys in there know they're, they're not 
ignorant of what this looks like and what this business is. So I, I you know, as much as people say Ron would be mad, like if I'm Ron, like I'm, I'm doing some self-reflection this offseason and say we need to be better, right? We need to be better as a team. We need to be better on offense, need to be better on defense, whatever. And one of the things about being better is that there is room for for someone else to come take your job. And so as much as it is kind of painful and as much as I think Ron um, believes in himself, I think that, you know, like you got to be realistic sometimes. And I think this is an opportunity for him to be a little bit realistic. So, um, yeah, like Sean Payton was the number one coaching candidate. People gave up a lot of stuff to get, they gave him a lot, they gave up a lot of stuff to get him in Denver. So it's, it's, it's not surprising to me that they kick the tires on Sean Payton here. And I think that that's just good process. If you are an ownership group, coming in yeah uh speaking of uh josh harris and apparently one other ownership person uh, or ownership group toured the facility last friday um any i mean that's that's certainly noteworthy Mm -hmm. um but any any other big takeaway from that at all um i mean no i mean if i'm buying something i want to see what it looks like i guess (laughs) right um I don't know. It would be interesting to see how the ownership, how these investors or these um, these people that are potentially buying the team, ownership groups, uh, view the facilities and view, um, you know, the state of the franchise. Uh, because, like, I know when I was playing there, like, they were pretty adamant about not showing the players the facility to, like, after they'd showed them around the community quite a bit. So uh, I wonder... I just wonder how they feel coming in, you know, having not been around a whole bunch of other, other NFL facilities or what their process looks like. It'd be interesting to kind of be in a fly on a wall. Well, someone like Josh Harris is the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, the New Jersey Devils. He was pretty involved in the Denver sale and then got beat out at the last second by the Walton okay. family. So I would assume that he has, as the Sixers owner, been to the Eagles facility and certainly knows what the Sixers facility looks like. Right. Uh, as the owner of the Devils, perhaps he's been uh, across the way to the Jets or the Giants facility um, and, and knows what those look like uh, and, and did some due diligence before uh, the Denver stuff. And, and yeah. I don't know whether he toured their facility um, but he certainly has YouTube too. And there's all kinds of facility tours on, uh, for NFL things <laughs> on YouTube. Uh, so I would assume that he probably goes, walks around and is like, man, we got some work to do here. Um, mm. we're going to have to, we're going to have to upgrade. This isn't good enough. This isn't up to the level. I mean, if you've been in the, I've seen some videos and, and seen some, some footage from the Sixers, uh, weight room over the years, like, if, if you're used to that and you see the commanders one and you're like, wait, y'all, y'all train 90 guys out of here mm-hmm. or 50 or 70 or whatever it is during the regular season. Uh, I would assume that he took a look around, took a walk and was like, this is, this is more expensive than I thought because we're going to have to upgrade all this stuff. Well, we'll say that they have upgraded the facility a little bit over the last five years. You know, they have like that recovery room. Definitely. They've got like a lounge for the players now, which wasn't there when I was there. They have, you know, float tanks. They, they, they are kind of moving in that super kind of, you know, in a more modern direction with the stuff. And that, that process started when I was there. So, you know, 15 yeah. years they've been working on it. Um, but yeah, I do think, and also, and you know, it's important to know like basketball stuff tends to be a little bit nicer. There's less guys. You can get nicer pieces of equipment because you don't need when you are training 90 guys you can't buy 50 kaisers because kaiser is this very expensive piece of equipment that takes up a lot of space for the basketball team you say oh we buy five kaisers because we have 20 guys we can just cycle them through right it the 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 paradigm for 
football, especially NFL locker rooms or weight rooms compared to other sports is very different. But your point is valid. Like, you know, the offensive line meeting rooms in the cafeteria, like, you know, that's not a usual thing. Right. Well, and the other thing is like space. <laughs> the, yeah, right. Yeah, the, that's the, what the I'm limita- saying, right? The limitation that they have here is space as much as anything. And I will give Dan and whoever else is making the decisions like the credit. They have upgraded the facilities massively over the last decade. Um, and I've seen the recovery room and all that kind of stuff. But like part of the reason they can't have 20 Kaiser FTs here is they don't have the space for 20 Kaiser FTs. It'd be their entire right. weight room. Yeah. The Bills have that kind of stuff. So other teams have that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Minnesota's yeah, like got da- like Denver insane. Does, yeah. yeah, Denver, Dallas. Like if you want to compete, Part of it is is building out more space. So whether they sell that land in Ashburn and then ultimately go somewhere else where the new stadium is and kind of do the all-in-one bit like San Francisco and some others mm-hmm. have, uh, or they just build out you know that turf field that has been there forever like that would be also be now we're getting into some real specifics of the ashburn landscape but to try to try to even out some of that terrain and then use some of that other space would be probably a lot uh in terms of the landscaping and, and all that but there there is space available if if you want to get super into the construction yeah, I mean, so you know it, it the, the biggest thing for them is like can they can they literally extend the building uh, to create more space and can you do it in a way that's not disruptive during the season as well like that's a huge off-season project and by the way the off-season is also a time when there's a lot of people actually there's more people in the building right so um well it's, yeah, I was it's just a tricky say, thing i was just gonna say like you know when i was in san fran like the weight room was like a warehouse you know so you could easily yeah. take that football field yeah you know i don't say easily because i'm not an architect or you know a structural no but engineer, it seems but you, like you could you could just like put a, a yeah. building down there and just be like hey this is our new weight room and then the, then that then that weight room becomes your offensive line meeting room which would be great you know what i mean just in terms of maximizing space there so it, it, there is a a path to it it's just about you know like it, it is an investment for sure right uh well we know that that turf field that we're talking about there's this famous uh for those that don't know there's this astro turf like literally old school AstroTurf field that is down by the other three grass practice fields. And uh, we, we know the concrete's already there uh, because that's what's <laughs> underneath that AstroTurf. Um, it is, it hasn't been used in a decade. You never practiced on that field, did you? I did. I practiced on it. Oh. Yeah. That was, okay. This is, uh, this is like common knowledge, right? Like, so yeah, we used to do practices in winter on there, right? And Mike was pretty much like, we need an indoor facility. And yeah. so we used to do like walkthroughs and stuff at the, um, you know, lifetime fitness on the basketball court. And we did a couple walkthroughs in Dan Snyder's airplane hangar. And Mike was pretty much like, we can't do this anymore. And then we would practice on that turf every once in a while. And I was like, I felt, I've never felt so uncomfortable practicing football because I'm like, I'm literally going to tear my ACL if I put That's my foot awful. down too hard on this. Cause it's literally like, like running routes full speed on your carpet with like turf shoes on. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, the other thing it's famous for is lots of deer poop. Deer poop. And then this is a gross story. But when I was a rookie or right before I got there, we had like a big rain. And Casey Rybach, because that field was, was like flood runoff. And he went out and swam on in the in, in the oh, uh, no. in the uh, turf, uh, run, uh, you know, flood runoff. So, yeah, obviously not like the best, best piece of equipment in the NFL, but. Fun stories. But but a legend nonetheless. Yes, that's right.